Okay, so um, my name is Mike Wilson, and apparently I'm the speaker tonight. So um, hopefully you have caught the two previous messages, because this has been a series of three, and I've listened to the other two, and if you haven't listened to them, I would highly recommend that you do that. Um, those of you that are sitting over at this table right here, I will just warn you ahead of time, I'm going to be in your way so that you can't see what's up here. So you might want to move over here, just a suggestion. Um, but one of the things that I do is I kind of use paintings to help illustrate stuff, not because I'm a good painter, but actually because I'm really shy and I would rather have you look at something else other than me. And so this helps me to, to hide a little bit. And also I'm kind of disorganized and it gives me an outline. But so what I'm gonna to do tonight is my job is to do the third part of this series. The first one was, well, why don't you guys tell me, what was the first one? I dare you to, what was it? Follow Jesus, okay. And what was the second one? Love your neighbor. And, and you probably already know what I'm doing because it's been announced a few times. But I'm going to do things a little different here. I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an artist. But what I do is um, I write funny. So sometimes people have a hard time reading my writing. But what I'm doing is I'm painting the part that's not the letter instead of the part that is. And if you realize that, then you can probably read it. And so I just need to get the title up here so I don't forget what it is. So I dare you to spread the what? Good news. Okay, let's make this good news. Okay, and there's another word for the good news that we're talking about. Does anybody know what that word is that's commonly used? Gospel. Gospel simply means good news. So, um, so I dare you to spread the good news. And because you've already had a message about following Jesus, hopefully you understand that to follow Jesus includes spreading the good news. That is a big part of what Jesus taught. And since it's good news, hopefully if you love your neighbor, you would want to give them good news. So I'm not going to spend a bunch of time talking about why you should do this. If you need some help with understanding why, you can talk to me afterwards, or you can go back and watch the other two messages um, and get, get what you might have missed. So, I might ask questions from time to time, so hopefully you guys are willing to interact with me. Who here has some fear about sharing the gospel? Raise your hand if you have some fear about sharing the gospel. Okay, we've got a few people. Okay, well look around you, because there's a whole bunch of people around you that don't have any, and just latch onto one of them and go for them and learn, okay? But, okay, how about this? So for the extreme introverts in the group who don't want to raise your hand, if you have fear about sharing the gospel, just look down at your shoes, okay? All right, thank you. All right, so like I said, just to give you a little bit of background on me, I am an evangelist with an organization called Open Air Campaigners. Does anybody know what an evangelist's job is? Anybody want to help me out with this? I, I heard something over here, but I couldn't quite get it. To spread the gospel, okay, that's half of it. Actually, what does the Bible say the job of an evangelist is? Bible, the only thing that it says about the job of an evangelist is, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Okay, a saint is another word for a person who follows Jesus. Okay, and so actually my job as an evangelist is to help you to spread the good news even more than it is for me to spread the good news myself. 
And so I enjoy doing that because, like I said, I'm shy, and if I can equip you, then I can feel like I accomplished something, and then I can go hide. Okay, but, so what I want to do is, I just want to cover a couple of things that sometimes are things that limit people from going out and sharing the gospel. And, and I understand there's probably some people in here who are not followers of Jesus, who are still figuring that out, or simply aren't. And so hopefully there'll be some in this that will, that will help, be helpful to you as well. But the first part, at least what I'm doing, is primarily addressed at people who would call themselves a follower of Jesus or a Christian. And so one of the things is to understand that, that can be helpful with us is this, is, let me get my Bible here. I want to read you a passage, something that Jesus said. And it is found in John somewhere. Um, John chapter 5, starting in verse 17. And just to kind of give you the, um, the background of, because we're going to jump right into Jesus, you know, saying something in response to somebody else. Um, Jesus had just healed somebody on the Sabbath, and there were people who were saying, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, so you shouldn't be healing people, okay? Um, they just didn't like them, and they were looking to find fault in any way they could. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all the things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. And so what we see here is Jesus, if we're following Jesus, we're going to share the good news. And if we're following Jesus, we're going to share the good news the way that Jesus did. Okay, short of the part about like knowing the hearts of all people and being able to raise the dead and those kinds of things. But the other parts of it, you know, we can, we can imitate what Jesus did if we're followers of Jesus. And Jesus talked about the fact that his father was working and that basically what he would do is he would join in with what his father was already doing. Okay, Jesus didn't have his own agenda. He was following the, the father's agenda. And so what I just kind of want to give a picture of here is this idea that all over the world, God is working all the time, okay? And so if we're following Jesus, we're also going to be working, right? But what we, we're not just going to be randomly going and feeling like we have this responsibility for everything. What we need to do is look and see where is God working and so that we can join with him. Has anybody here ever tried to talk to somebody about Jesus and just been completely shut down? They have no interest in the, in the conversation. That ever happened to anybody? Okay, three people? Okay, good. So when that happens, you know what? The only way that someone is going to come to Jesus is if the Spirit of God is drawing them, right? We can't do that on our own. And so if we get a signal that this person just has no interest, you know what, that's okay. Because what you've done is you've been obedient to the Jesus that you're following, because he said to go and share the good news. But you're not responsible for the result because the Spirit of God is the one who actually changes hearts. For whatever reason, he decides to use us. Okay? And I like, to, I like to think of it this way. Anybody here have a positive memory, and I know this won't be everybody, a positive memory of helping your dad out with something when you were little? Anybody have anything like that? 
Okay, we've got a bunch of them in here. I kind of picture this like, so when I was, I don't know how old I was, but I know that the house where this happened, we moved out of there when I was eight. So I was not very old, okay? I was at the most eight years old. And I remember helping my dad try to fix our car after it just died and wouldn't run anymore. How much help do you think I was? I was no help. In fact, if my dad actually knew what he was doing when it comes to fixing cars, which is not one of his strengths, um, me helping would have made it even more difficult. Ultimately, we just had to get somebody else figured out. But so if it's like my friend Ian here, whose dad knows everything about cars as a mechanic, I'm sure at some point when you were little, he probably was letting you help and you made the job take twice as long because you were helping, right? And that's, and that's what a good father does. And like I said, not, not everybody has experience with a good father, but that's what a good father does is he will include his kids in what he's doing not because they make the job easier, they will make the job harder, but he will include them in it because he loves them. And what God does is God has a plan for this whole world that he could do better by himself than with us. But because he loves us, he includes us in what he's doing. And in the same way that an eight-year-old kid isn't responsible for whether the car gets fixed or not when he's helping his dad, we're not responsible for whether somebody comes to Christ or not, but our dad that loves us says, this is what I'm doing, why don't you come join me? And so we get, through doing that, we get to build our relationship with our father, we get to grow in certain ways, we get to, when he does something great in the earth, we get to have the joy of being a part of it. And I want to encourage you to, to remember this, that God's working and he's including us because he loves us, not because he needs us. Because what that does is that relieves a lot of the pressure. When you realize that there's some, you're working with someone who knows everything, you don't have to know much. You just need to see what he's doing and join it. Okay, and so I want to give you an example of somebody who did this. And, um, and I, I like this particular example because um, there's things about this guy that you, you probably know some things about him but you may not have looked at it exactly the way that I do. And so, think about somebody who spreads the good news. I don't think you can find a better example outside of Jesus of somebody spreading good news than the Apostle Paul. Because not only did he go all over three continents sharing the good news, okay, but he wrote about half of the New Testament. So he's still doing it today, you know, almost 2,000 years after he was beheaded for talking about Jesus, he's still spreading the good news. And so he's just such an awesome example of somebody doing what we've been called to do, of someone who's spreading the good news. And so, do you ever picture him as just like that? So this is my, um, my picture here. Here's, here's, here's Paul, he's up on the stage. He's talking, he's got these crowds of people. Do you ever picture him as just like this larger-than-life character? He must, have, he just must just be so bold and so good at what he does. That's really not an accurate picture of the Apostle Paul. For one thing, he was probably really short, okay? He was physically unimpressive. Um, he was losing his sight. Um, some of the letters that he's credited with in the Bible were written by others, and that could possibly be because he couldn't see well enough to write later in his life. Um, when he described himself, he said people would look at him and they'd read his letters 
and say he sounds so impressive in his letters, but he's really not much in person. Okay? And you'll find that you go through in his letters, he frequently would end his letters by asking the people he was writing to to pray for him so that he would be bold. Okay, we think of him as being bold. He did bold things, but he wasn't naturally a bold person. In fact, I would say that he most likely was a very introverted person. Okay? And, and the, if you, I mean, just kind of read it looking for personality, of the personality of the person that God used to write. You can see Peter, another great example. I don't think Peter had one ounce of shyness in him. He was always the first one to open his mouth. He was happy to jump up in front of a group. Paul wasn't like that. I'm not like that, okay? I do what I do because this is where God has called me to be. And I'll just tell you, you know, my background, um, I was, anybody here like get um, some kind of award when you graduated from high school? Mine was that I was voted the most bashful in my graduating class, okay? And, and, so, and so that's the, that's the skill that I bring to being an evangelist is being the most bashful out of my entire high school, almost 300 people, and they voted me most, most bashful. But what did Paul bring? Okay, I'm gonna, I wanna read to you another passage of scripture here. This is going to 1 Corinthians chapter two. And, and Paul's going to describe what he brings to the table, okay? He says, um, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, okay. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Listen to how this guy describes himself, this guy that we could look up to as an example. It's like, okay, I wasn't a good speaker. I didn't bring you a bunch of wisdom. I really only need, I, I had a one-point sermon, nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then the, as far as these three traits of Paul, and I think that any of us can at least live up to the level of Apostle Paul when we talk about these th three traits. So I put them here on his steps going up to the, um, to the podium to speak. So here's one of the things Paul brought. He, he brought weakness. Anybody here ever feel weak? Okay. He brought, see what else did he bring? He brought fear. Anybody feel fear, fearful? I did just coming up here. So, and then trembling. I like that one. You probably can't tell, but to me, my, I can feel my knees shaking just from being up here. And it's like, I'm reading the Bible and this guy that's this hero of the faith that wrote half of the New Testament. He's like, yeah, when I speak, this is what I'm like. I'm in weakness, fear, trembling. And yet, that doesn't stop God from using him in a mighty way. And it wouldn't stop him from using anybody that's in here. One of the things I like to picture um, is, think about, okay, so you guys, a bunch of you are going to a beach at spring break, right? You're gonna be near, you could be near a beach. Anybody planning on going in the water when you go to the beach? Okay, so let me ask you this. When you go in the water, 
do you just run and dive in? Okay, or are you one of those people that puts one toe in and tests the water, kind of waits for that one to get used to it, then puts the whole foot in, wait a while, put the next foot in, and 20 minutes later, you're in the water. Okay, do we have anybody here that's the, the dive in type of person? Okay, do we have anybody that's the go real slow? And, okay, so we get kind of a mix of those two. There are advantages and disadvantages to the personalities that God gave every one of us. Okay, but ultimately, what was the goal? The goal was to end up in the water. Who ended up in the water? Everybody, right? Now, one group of people is more likely to maybe miss out on something because they took so long getting there. And so that's the downside. The other group of people is more likely to break their necks. That's the downside, right? And so it is, there's, there's good and bad in every personality because every one of us is created in the image of God. There's tremendous good and potential for good in us. And because every one of us has a fallen sinful nature, that good that is in us has been corrupted in many ways. And so with every personality that God gave somebody, there are these strengths and there are these weaknesses but ultimately the goal is to follow Jesus and do the things that Jesus did, and our personalities don't keep us from being able to do that, they just make us do it in different ways. And that's a good thing, that's not a bad thing. You know, a lot of people think, well, the more outgoing personality people, they would make the best evangelists. I would disagree, because you know what? There was a study done recently where they asked a bunch of non-believers, what traits would you most like if someone was going to come and tell you about their faith what traits would you most like in that person you know what the number one thing is that people wanted to see or hear they wanted somebody that listened good guess who listens better outgoing people or shy people outgoing people are too busy talking okay now there's good things about that like i said every personality has its good and its bad but the reality is, is that what the world is looking for is someone who loves them enough to come and listen to them and tell them the truth and what happens is the more outgoing people are more likely to actually do it okay the less outgoing people are likely to if they do it to actually do it in a way that's more effective I want you to think about, I'm not going to go to this passage of scripture, partly because I can't remember where it was. I think it's in Luke 3. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. But anyway, anybody here remember the story about when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to Jerusalem, and they were with a big crowd of people? This is a good story for you guys to be paying attention to if you're one of the leaders for this Converge thing, okay? They're with a big group of people, and when the time there was over, they leave, and a day later realize they left their son behind. Okay, anybody familiar with that one? So Jesus was 12 years old, okay, his family would go every year to Jerusalem um, for the Feast of the Passover, they would celebrate the Passover there, and so when he was 12 years old, they went, and they were a day away from Jerusalem when they realized, okay, it was a big family and neighborhood group that went, they thought he was just in the group, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, I mean, it'd be bad enough if you lost your kid, okay, but this is worse, because God's entrusted you with his kid and you lost him. Okay, so if you can imagine, Joseph and Mary were in a little bit of a state. So they go back, and it took them a couple days to find him. So help me out here. I know some of you are familiar with this passage. Where did they find him? Just say it. In the temple. Okay. 
And it's talking about, he was in the temple. He's 12 years old, and you've got all of these expert religious leaders there. And it says they were amazed by the wisdom of this 12-year-old. So I want to ask you, what was Jesus doing in the temple? I can hear some people talking, but, but I'm not picking up what you're actually saying. So raise your hand if you've got an idea. I heard somebody say evangelizing. Anybody have something different? Yeah. He was asking questions. It only says he was doing two things, and that was one of them. Now, he was evangelizing, but what it says is he was listening and he was asking questions. Those are the only two things he says he was doing, and it says that they were amazed by his wisdom. Now, was he also talking? Obviously, he was. But what, but what Luke, led by the Holy Spirit, what he recorded was just those two things. He was listening and asking questions, okay? And so if we're going to spread the good news, one of the things we have to focus on and be good at, or two things, is listening and asking questions. And this can be really helpful because there's over 4,000 religions in the world, okay? Is it possible for us to know about every one of them? No. Would we want to spend our time knowing about every one of them? I don't think that would necessarily be a useful thing. Now, there is a place for studying other belief systems, but, I, but there's just too many of them. I actually I ran into a guy at Michigan State last semester, and I just saw him yesterday again. He's from this religion in the Middle East. They traced their heritage back to Abraham, but there's only like 6,000 of them in the world. Okay, I'd never heard of it before. This guy. So what do you think I did when I met this guy? I was on the campus of Michigan State trying to spread the good news of Jesus, and I meet this guy who's from a religion, from a part of the world I know absolutely nothing about. That's what I do. I listen to him. I ask questions. I actually didn't get to say all the stuff I would have liked to have said to him because he was really happy to talk. And so, but I listen and ask questions. So this has been like, three or four months since I saw the guy, I had one conversation with him, but you know, when he saw me on campus yesterday, he smiled and greeted me because he remembered me. Why? Because I listened and I asked questions, okay? I did get to tell him about Jesus, like I said, not quite as much as I would have liked to, but I did get to tell him that, but it was that connection that was made. You think about it this way, there's an, a, there's an evangelist, there's a guy from New Zealand, lives in California now by the name of Ray Comfort, and um, what Ray says is one of the best ways to build a connection with somebody is if you talk to them about their favorite subject. Makes sense, right? What is everyone's favorite subject? Himself. Okay, so we have a desire to talk about ourselves. We also have a desire to talk about Jesus. What does the world out there, what do they want to talk about? They want to talk about themselves. And you know what they want to do when they, they want somebody to listen to them. And so a big part of us being effective at spreading the good news is being good listeners and asking good questions. And good questions um, are ones that get people to think. Good questions are ones that allow you to know a person better so you can know how to approach them. And sometimes good questions are ones that make a person see that where they're coming from is actually foolish rather than saying, okay, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, is asking a good question to get them to realize it instead. Um, it's a lot less humiliating when you figure it out for yourself than when somebody else tells you, okay? So 
I'm going to give you two questions, okay? And you don't necessarily need me to give you any, but I'm going to give you two questions that can be helpful. And um, one of those questions is, what do you mean by that? Okay? When somebody tells you something about what they believe, do not assume you understand them. Okay? I don't, like, I have people tell me that they're um, a Christian. I'll ask them questions to find out what they mean by that. Okay? Anything that's, find out what they're really saying. Okay? And the other question is, that you, that's a good one to ask, is where do you get your information? And here's the thing. If, if I'm in a conversation with somebody, I'm trying to spread the good news about Jesus, and they're trying to spread some other belief system, and we're having a conversation back and forth, we're sh sharing something, they're sharing something, and I ask them, where do you get your information? A lot of times it's like, well, I just kind of, you know, thought about it, or I looked at a bunch of different things and pulled this from here and this from there, or this is what my parents taught me, or this is what I learned in class. Now, if all I have is an answer like that, if they then turn around and say, well, where did you get your information? See, here's the thing, is if, if you're basing your belief system on this book, on the Word of God, then the reality is, is you have a better answer than they do. Okay? But if, if we come at them and say, hey, you need to shut up because I've got the Word of God, and you don't, are they going to listen? Maybe. Probably not. Okay? But if we approach somebody with, okay, hey, what do you believe? Where do you get your information? That might... Ideally, that will get enough curiosity in them for them to ask you the question, but even if it doesn't, you can say, well, you want to hear where I get my information from. And you can explain to them why it is that you trust in this book. And that, of course, means that you need to know why you trust in this book. Um, but, so anyway, just some, you know, kind of some stuff to, to help you out. But what I want, the rest of my picture up here, um, I'm going to read to you another passage, because when Paul said that I resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He does expand on that later in the same letter, in 1 Corinthians, towards the end. So it wasn't like, okay, yeah, that's it. Jesus is crucified. Jesus is crucified. That's it. Um, and so he, he actually goes from having a one-point um, presentation to having three. And so um, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to do the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, the good news, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So the good news longer version, according to Paul, and if you want the you know, much more detailed longer vision, uh, version, according to Paul, read the book of Romans. Um, but it's just three things. It's Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. That's it. Okay. And so if we're trying to spread the good news, that's the good news. But that actually, honestly, doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, first of all, somebody dying, is that good news? Somebody dying a horrible death under torture, doesn't sound like good news. 
Okay, the person dying, being so poor that he doesn't even have his own grave and being put into someone else's grave, that's not real great news. And then the third part, that he rose from the dead. Okay, that's, good, that's pretty good news. But why does it matter? Why is this such good news that we need to spread it all over the world? You know, I mean, there's other things that we could say are good news that we could get excited about. Why does this matter? And the reality is that in order to understand the good news, we need to also understand some bad news. And it's really bad news. But the fact that it's really bad news makes the good news even better. It's sort of like, you know, I've got a um, member of my family who is um, receiving treatment for cancer. And there are a lot of side effects of that treatment. If I described to you the side effects of his treatment and said, hey, would you like to take this medicine? You're going to say no, not a chance. But see, he received some bad news. And the bad news was that he has a disease that is likely going to kill him. Then they offer, hey, I've got some good news. I've got something, and in this case it's not great, it's not going to permanently cure the disease, but something that can fight against that disease, that makes this medicine that has some kind of, you know, bad side effects to it, that makes it good news for him. Now think about this. We have a problem, and we've been offered a solution through Jesus, the gospel, good news. But there's some stuff that goes along with it. I mean, there's the stuff that, that Mark talked about two weeks ago about how we're supposed to follow him, and we need to count the cost because there is a very real cost. And then last week when Taylor talked about how you're supposed to love your neighbor, let's just be honest, we don't always want to do that. And it can be really hard. I mean, you know, Jesus went so far as to say love your enemies. That's not, I don't want to do that. You know, being honest. So this good news of him rising from the dead, why is it such good news for me personally? I was like, yeah, it's good for him. But why is that good news for me personally? Well, I need to understand the bad news. And so I'm going to start out with, um, I need to demonstrate some of my major artistic skills here. Okay, I got a person there. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll pretend that's me or you can pretend that's you. So we've got a person, and here's the problem that every one of us human beings have. All right, and our problem is this, is that we are separated from God. There's, there's something going on between us and God, and, that, and that's really bad news, and, I, and I'll tell you some of the reasons why that is bad news. One of the reasons that this is bad news is because he made us, okay? So he knows what's best for us. He knows what our purpose is, and if we're separated from him, we're probably not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're probably not doing what's best for us. But it, it goes farther than that. You know, when God created, the Bible tells us that when God created the universe, almost everything in this universe, God spoke into existence, which is just pretty amazing in itself, okay? He spoke it into existence. But you know, human beings were different, all right? Human beings were different in this, in that, that God took more of an active role in the creation of human beings. The Bible tells us he created the man from the dust of the earth, Okay, but he, when, he, when he made a dog, and I love dogs, dogs are wonderful, but when he made a dog, all he did was speak, and there were dogs, okay? And God cares about dogs, the Bible actually says that, but human beings are at a different level, because he 
gave the other animals life just simply by speaking. It's just part of who they are. He created a dog that was alive. When he created a man, he created a man who was not alive. And the Bible says that he breathed his spirit into the man, and he became a living soul. And why that's important is for a couple of reasons. One is he's talking about there's something in us that is separate from the physical, that God imparted. But the other thing is, where does our life come from? Our life comes from our connection to God. Every other living creature that God created, he created them where life was simply part of what they were. We're different. Our life comes from God because God put his spirit in us to bring us to life. And if we are separate, what happens to something which is separated from its source of life? It dies. Okay? And so for us, our natural state, because of this separation, is that our spirits are dead and our bodies are dying. Okay? That isn't what God, the way God created us to be. But what happened was the first human beings did something that every one of us has imitated. All right? And that was this, is that God said, here's how it should be. And they said, you know what, I think I have a better idea. So Adam and Eve sinned. They brought sin into the world. They gave Satan power in the world. They brought death into the world, all because they chose to disobey God. And every one of us has sinned in the same way. We've lived our lives for ourselves. We're born that way. Okay, little babies are really cute. And that's a good thing, because the way that they act, we wouldn't put up with them otherwise. All right? They're the most selfish creatures on the face of the earth. Okay, and I have four kids, don't tell them I said this, but it's true. That's the way they're born. I mean, what does a baby do? As soon as, what do they start doing? They start screaming because they want something they're not getting. And they don't care what it does to someone else to give them what they want. It's just like, give me what I want. Then as they get older, they start, you know, start moving, and then the parents say, don't go there. And the kid's old enough to understand, so what do they do? They go there, right? And, the, and it's a part of our nature, and it's something that you and I continue at your age and my age, that we continue in that pattern. And so what we've done is, the reason... I am separated from God, okay? And the same thing would be true of each one of you. The reason I am separated from God is something that I've just described that the Bible uses this word, sin. All right, and I, when, so here's the reality. I'm a sinner. You all are sinners, okay? And you ever seen one of those guys that preaches in public and just points at people and yells at them that they're sinners? Anybody ever have any experience with somebody like that? okay. I don't exactly do that. Um, I do what I just did with you guys. Okay, we need to realize that we have the sin problem, but if the first thing out of my mouth when you meet me is you're a horrible sinner who's separated from God and you're going to die and go to hell because of your sin, we're probably going to have a really short conversation. But you know what? That information does have to come out because that is the bad news that makes this good news that we're talking about spreading the truly good news. Okay, so what's happened here is that because of my sin, because of your sin, there's been a barrier created between us and our creator. And human beings are aware of this. Okay? It doesn't matter the culture, religion, whatever it might be. Human beings are aware of this. They have different ways of dealing with it. I mean, some people will say, okay, 
I don't, you know, God's not here with me, he must not exist. Okay, that's actually a fairly small minority of people, but some people say that. But the reason we have 4,000 plus religions in the world is this, is that people, we instinctively recognize this, that there's a problem, and we think, okay, there's a problem between me and God, I need to fix the problem. And so what we do is we start coming up with plans, system, I want to get to God, I'm going to give myself a series of steps that will get me in touch with my creator. And that's what every single religion teaches. Okay, the steps vary, but they're all addressing the same problem in the same way, which is, you've got a problem, you need to do something about it. But here's the problem, is no matter what you do, you're still a sinner. Even if you lived sinless from this point forward, which you're not going to do, um, you still have sin in your past. And God is good. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. And a just judge does not overlook wrongdoing. And no amount of good deeds will wipe away a single bad deed. And so every one of us has this problem, and we naturally try to fix it ourselves, and we absolutely can't. And we would be completely without hope if God didn't choose to do something for us. But God did choose to do something for us, and that is that God chose to come down to us because we had absolutely no chance of reaching up to him. And so God came down to earth in the form of a human being. God became a man, the man Jesus. He was born as a little baby. He grew up at 12 years old. He ditched his parents. They said they didn't like that, and so he didn't do it again, by the way. Um, and, but he lived a sinless life, the only human being ever, because he was God, but he was born of a woman, so he was also fully human. He was the only human being ever that lived a sinless life, that lived a perfect life, that obeyed the Father in everything that he did, that loved God every second the way that God deserves to be loved. And because of that, there was something unique about Jesus, and that was this. The people in this room, every one of us is going to die. And we're all going to die of the same thing. Okay? We're all going to die of sin. Right? It might get us in different ways, but we're all going to die because of sin. Jesus did not sin, and therefore he, death had no claim over him. He should not have died. And so when Jesus went to the cross... It wasn't because he had to. It wasn't because, well, he's going to die someday anyway. He willingly gave up his life to sinful human beings who were willing to take it. Okay? And so they nailed him to a cross. That's the reward for being sinless and loving people and healing them, um, is that sinful human beings apparently don't like that. And so he died this horrible, bloody, painful death on a cross. And what he did on the cross. The Bible says that he bore our sins. You see, God, because he's a just judge, is going to punish every sin. That is what he, that's what a judge does. Okay, and the Bible makes it very clear that God is a just judge. Well, what's the judge's job? It's to punish wrongdoing. And the Bible says God will punish every sin. But when Jesus went to the cross, he took your sin. He took mine. And God punished our sin on Jesus. And Jesus died 
and they buried him, like I said, borrowed tomb. Guy by the name of Joseph. Let his body be placed in his tomb. And if that was the end of the story, that would be a really, really sad story. This guy came, did all this good, they killed him. But it isn't the end of the story, because the Bible tells us that on the third day, that the stone was rolled out of the way, and Jesus came up out of the grave, and he was alive again. And here's the thing. Because he's alive again, he demonstrated that he had defeated sin and death. That he actually has the power to give life. He's the only one that does. And so when I say that this good news about Jesus, and some people will say, you know, that's really exclusive. You're saying Jesus is the only way? And it's like, yes, Jesus is the only way. Because Jesus is the only one who took our sin and bore the punishment for it and died and rose again. So now when we get back to what Paul was saying, he says, I, you know, I resolved to know nothing among you except for Jesus and him crucified. Well, there's some stuff that has to go along with it. We need to know why he was crucified. We need to know that he rose from the dead. But that's, but that's the good news. See, the good news is now that your sin has been paid for, that my sin has been paid for, And God offers you and me a gift, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, the gift of a restored relationship to God. You know, you hear people a lot of times throw around that term, eternal life. You know what Jesus, how Jesus described eternal life? He didn't talk about how long it is, okay? That's not the main thing. He didn't talk about how fancy things are going to be in heaven. True, but that's not the main thing. He said, this is eternal life, that we can know the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And that means that we can have eternal life today, and tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after that. We can have it here while we still suffer the stuff that we suffer here, and we can have it with him one day when all that stuff that we suffer has been taken away, and we can have the relationship that we were originally created for with him. But in order to receive that eternal life, we have to receive the gift. Okay, the gift of salvation that Jesus gave. In, in Mark 1.15, when Jesus first, the first thing that Mark records Jesus teaching, when he began teaching, he said this. He said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he said, repent and believe the gospel. Okay? So he was telling people, here's how you have to respond. Okay? Here's the gospel, the good news. Jesus is saying, I am going to take your sins. I'm going to die for you. You need to believe that, and you need to repent. And I'm going to, just to help with illustrating it, I'm going to use different words for those two things. And so for the idea of repenting, so if we're supposed to repent and believe the gospel, we use a different word. We use turn. And the reason we use that is because we sometimes get the wrong impression, a too narrow of a view of what repentance really is. Okay? People think, oh, it's just, I did something wrong, I have to say I'm sorry. Okay, that's, it's far, far more than that. It, to repent means to change direction or to turn around. It means I have lived my life for myself. I'm going this way, and God says, you're going the wrong way. Okay? Repentance isn't just saying, well, I'm sorry, God, and I'll keep going this way. Right? Repentance is God says you're going the wrong way, you turn around. Okay? And the things we have to turn from isn't just the bad things that we do. We actually have to turn from the good things that we do, that we, from thinking that our good deeds are going to make us right with God. That's really one of our biggest problems. Sometimes that's a bigger problem than the bad stuff that we do. You can look at, read about the way Jesus interacted with people, and you see the people that 
had the hardest time with Jesus and Jesus had the hardest time with them were not the worst sinners as we would consider it. They were actually the most self-righteous people. All right? And so we have to turn from our sin, we have to turn from our self-righteousness, and we have to turn to Jesus, okay? To where what we're doing is trusting in nothing but him. Okay? And so if we are trust, believing or trusting what Jesus said, that what he did by dying and rising again is absolutely sufficient to restore us to God. It is absolutely sufficient to give us eternal life, okay? To reconnect us with our creator the way we're intended to be. We need to believe that that is the way, the only way that that can happen. So there's the, there's the gospel right there, okay? There's a picture of it. You know, there's a bit of an explanation of it the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about it for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all is, are you trusting in the gospel? Have you repented and trusted in it? Okay. Are you continuing to repent and trust? Actually, the words that um, repent and believe, the verb tenses that were used there in, in the Greek, mean continuously. They don't mean it's a one-time thing. It doesn't mean, oh, hey, one time I prayed a prayer and now I'm a follower of Jesus. No. It's, it's an everyday continuous thing. Am I living a life of repentance and faith? If that's the case, then you were dead in your sins and now you're alive in Christ. And now it's your job to spread the good news. And if you really start to get that, nobody will have to tell you to spread the good news. All right. And you don't have to become a different personality you don't need a degree. Degrees are a wonderful thing, but you don't need a degree to do this. You just need to know the good news. That Jesus died and rose again, and here's why it matters. Okay? So what I want to do now, we have just a few minutes left, is um, does anybody have any questions relating either to the gospel itself or questions relating to sharing it? Or maybe like questions that you've had somebody ask you that you didn't know how to answer, anything that maybe I can help you out with. Anybody have anything? Just a, a warning. Um, what I do, because I know people have questions, is if people don't ask me questions, I pick out people and I ask them questions instead. Because I figure if you don't have questions, you've got answers. And so I've got questions I need answers to. So, anybody have any questions? See, who should I pick on? I, I, the lights are in my eyes, but you, you got a question back there? Yeah. Okay, so, so when I'm talking to somebody and they're just really closed off, um, one of the things that I've tried to do is... Um, is to let them know that that is actually okay, that that doesn't mean you're now my enemy and you need to leave. Um, and, and so, to, you know, okay, you want to talk about the basketball game? We can talk about the basketball game. Um, I just had this happen yesterday. So I, did, I go around college campuses and I have paintings sort of like this, but they're more like questions to get conversation started and use them to talk to people and talk to them about Jesus. And so I was at MSU yesterday doing that and I had a girl come up to me and as soon as she realized that I was 
likely to talk about Jesus, she got angry about that. But you know what? She was really into um, unions and wanted to talk to me about unions. And so I did. Because here's the thing. How is God working in her life? There was no evidence that the point she's at and where God's working in her life that she's ready to talk about this. And I don't want to push her farther, but at the same time, I want her to get something. And so usually what my goal is when I have somebody that's not very open is I want to give them one thing to think about, okay? Um, I had a guy a while back I was talking to um, at a school down in Kalamazoo, I won't mention, and um, he was from a particular religion where they call themselves Christian, but it has really nothing to do with Christianity, and, um, and he really wanted to tell me what he believed, and he probably spent close to an hour talking to me about what he believed, and he was not open. But I, I listened to him for all that time, and um, he contradicted himself once. So I pointed out to him, gently. I asked him, okay, is this what you meant by this? Okay, well then how do you explain this? And you know this guy who had listened, was not open to listen to anything. He wanted to be right. And so he was like, I'll have to think about that. Because he realized that there was a contradiction. And at that point, it's like, okay, that's, that's the most I can hope for. He's not open. So I gave him one reason to doubt what he held on to so strongly that was keeping him from Christ. And that's kind of, that's kind of the, the goal, I think, is to, is to give the person one thing, whatever that might be. And, and it can be something like, a person's rude to me, and I show them love in return. And they can leave wondering why I did that. That's what happened with this girl yesterday. Hopefully she's wondering why, when she was just very combative and insulting, I was just kind to her in return. And so give, give them one thing. That would be my answer to that. Anybody else? Okay, so I'm just going to show you one last thing. Um, I know the worship team's going to come back up, but because of my shyness, I use gimmicks to help me get into conversations. And so I'm going to show you one of them, and it's just kind of going to be a review of what's going on here. And so what I have here, I have three ropes. I have short rope, I have a medium rope, and I have a long rope, okay? And I'm nervous, so I might drop these. But anyway, so my three ropes, they represent three different kinds of people. My short rope, this one is my good person, okay? Think of it as this person has a short list of things that they've done wrong. And what I'll do with this, I um, sometimes do this, you may have noticed that, like, in some of the places surrounding the CMU campus that people like to party on the weekend. Um, I'll sometimes go where there's just gathering people and say, hey, would you like to see a trick that has a message that goes with it? And so I'll do this. And so here's my short rope, represents a pretty good person. Would this be you, Nick, or would you be one of the longer ones? If this is a good person, is that you? Short, okay, so, so, so we're gonna name this rope Nick. Okay, so, um, oh, where's Mark? Oh, back there. Okay, I'm gonna name my long rope Mark, okay? And Taylor, you wanna be my middle one? Okay, so, so what we have here is we've got this really good person. Like, think of the best person you know, even if it's not Nick, okay? And here, we've got, yeah, it's probably somebody from California. Um, <laughs> we, we got this, 
long list of things they've done wrong. And then we've got this other rope. You know, it's like, Taylor, Taylor's pretty good, but, you know, that message she gave about loving your neighbor, you got to figure she couldn't have given that good of a message if she didn't have experience with doing the opposite. So she's just kind of somewhere in the middle, some good, some bad. But here's the question I like to ask people. Which of these is good enough to get to heaven? What would you say? I've heard people say this one. I've heard people say these two. I've heard people say all of them. And I've heard people say none of them. So we've got these different opinions on it, but you know what? Ultimately, it doesn't really matter what our opinion is on this question because there's only one opinion that matters, right? And that would be God's opinion. And here's where God's opinion comes in because, see, the issue isn't how long your list of sins or how long the list of good deeds is that you've done. The issue is that every one of us has a list of sins that need to be accounted for, so they might as well all be the same length because every list of sins is going to separate a person from God, which leads to death and hell eventually. Okay? If you know the story, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden in the presence of God. How many times did they sin before they got booted? One. We're all past that. Okay? Since we got here. And so here's, so that's the bad news. Here's the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son who died on a cross taking the punishment for sin so that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we can trust in that because of this. Because Jesus was placed in the tomb, and he was in that tomb for three days. And on the third day, he rose from the tomb. And he rose from the tomb just for people just like Taylor. So that if she repents and puts her faith in Jesus Christ, that her sins are all forgiven and that she can have a restored relationship with God and grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And you know... That grace that God gives, that free gift through the sacrifice that Jesus made is sufficient even for the worst of sinners, even for Mark. And then finally, here's the people who have the biggest problem with this, but it's true for them too. Okay, the people who have been too old, they've been good, they're good all their lives, need to recognize that good doesn't get at you there because good by God's standard isn't good by our standards. Good by God's standard is like God. And so if this good person will repent and put his faith in Jesus Christ. He can also be restored to God. So I'm going to pray, and then they're going to do another song. But I want to challenge you. I dare you to spread the good news. And so I've got a little something to help you just remember this challenge, okay? So for each one of you, I brought you $100 million. Okay, it is counterfeit. But <laughs> let me grab this. Looks like this stack of money, okay? There's a box back there on the counter, cardboard box about this big. It's got a bunch of these in there. And what this is, is it has the Gospel of John in it and has an explanation of the Gospel. And what I encourage you to do is if you intend to use it to help you to share the Gospel with somebody, you can take two or three. We've got enough for people to take two or three of them. Um, if you're going to use them. If, you're going to, if you think you'll use one, take one. If you could use two, take two. If you think you use 20, then take three. Um, but it's just a tool to help you do it, but it's also a tool to help you remember. In fact, I would encourage you to do this. If you're not sure you'd use them, still take one. Okay? So that when you see it, you remember, 
I have news that's worth more than $100 million and I need to go tell somebody. Okay, so they're in the box back there. Grab those on the way out. So I'm going to pray and then turn it over to these guys. God, I thank you that you love us. And it's not with the kind of love that we have, but that you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. And so God, I pray for everyone in the room right now and everybody that will hear this message. Lord God, that if they haven't done so already, that they will grasp the gift that you are giving and that they will receive it through repentance and faith. And God, I pray that you would just help each one of us to love our neighbors enough to go out and spread the good news, to tell them that there's a God who loves them, to tell them that they're dead in their sins, but he can make them alive through Jesus Christ. And it is in his name and because of him that I pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm-hmm.